Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Welcome to the podcast today and we would specifically like to welcome all of our listeners from Trinidad and Tobago. Thanks for tuning in. We know you're there and we're really happy you're joining us. So today we want to talk about one of those really big topics, really practical advice. We are going to be talking about decluttering your kitchen. Yes, we are. It's actually quite a a big thing really, isn't it? I think we might have to leave pantries out today though, mightn't we? Otherwise we're going to go for too long. Yeah, it's we could spend a lot of time doing this. And this is, I think, one of the most requested not just topics, but also, mm. you know, by clients, this is usually the room that makes people say, okay, it's time. It's time to change something. Mm, yeah. It's because it's the hub of the house, isn't it? It's, you know, even if I think about my kitchen, I don't know if it's true for everyone, but my kitchen is almost literally in the center of the house. And it's certainly the center of all the day-to-day activities. And it's where we spend 90% of our time, well, where I spend 90% of my time is because we have an open plan kitchen. I think if it was a closed off kitchen, so if it was a room by itself, I don't know that I'd spend nearly as much time in and around the kitchen, but I spend most of my time in the family room, which is, you know, the same room as the kitchen. So it is really quite a central spot. And I think with the current trends in kitchens, uh, it is to have that open plan. And so we do spend so much time looking at our kitchen even if we're not in it yeah and because it's that hub it is also ends up being the place that stuff gets dumped because you walk in the front door to the kitchen or that you know central area and dump mail and kids dump school bags and shoes get kicked off there and you know glasses Mm. get left there and it just ends up being like a clutter magnet yeah, for sure. And with the, uh, again, the current fashion is to have large flat benches with no breakfast bars or no shielding of the kitchen area. And so you see it all like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I only have to have four dishes in my sink and, and I can see it from almost everywhere in my house. <laughs> and so it's like really obvious when when there's clutter around. It's just right in your face all the time. Yeah. And they look amazing when they're clean. And tidy oh, and decluttered they? for that three <laughs> seconds. <laughs> but that, that, I love that. I love that three seconds I get after I clean everything and I breathe for three seconds, and then oh, there we go. There's some yeah. stuff on the. I again. stand and look longingly at my kitchen at about <laughs> eleven p.m. when the kids are in bed, my husband's in bed, the house is tidy. I'm like, oh, my kitchen. But by the time I am out of bed the following morning. Carnage. (laughs) (laughs) There's already stuff everywhere. Yes. Um, We don't have long to enjoy it. No. So if you've been following along with our weekly challenges, um, you might already be some of the way through our tips that we're going to give today um, because a few of them have had to do with mugs and cutlery and utensils and things like that. So well done you. Mm. If you haven't, now might be a good time to start. I was struggling to find some statistics this week on kitchen clutter I must admit but I found one and this is only relevant to Australians but 20 21% of Australians feel like their kitchen is moderately or very cluttered and I think that's I think that's probably lower than I expected I was going to say the same I thought it would be like 60 70% because 
all of my clients, I mean, obviously my clients are cluttered, otherwise they wouldn't be my clients, but, you know, they've all got cluttered kitchens and uh, so many people that I know, there is always stuff in the kitchen. It's quite normal. Maybe it should be 21% of Australians are willing to admit (laughs) that their kitchen (laughs) is moderately or very cluttered, but... Or that it bothers them. See, that's the thing. Like sometimes clutter doesn't bother some people and um, maybe their cluttered kitchen is cluttered but doesn't bother them Mm, at all. True. So I would say the first most important consideration when you embark on this amazing journey of decluttering your kitchen is time. Figure out how much time you have to devote to this because too often people say, right, that's it, the kitchen, and they will pull everything out. They will have every (laughs) flat surface in their space covered and then it's time to go pick the kids up from school. (laughs) And it's it's a bit like when you Mm. declutter a wardrobe, everything comes out, then there's hard decisions to make and then you don't get to Mm. it and then you just shove everything back in a cupboard and think I'll finish it off next time and... Mm. So it can be a really, really big job. So I would say only start what you can finish in the time allocated. If you've got an hour, don't do your whole kitchen. Pick one cupboard or pick one drawer. And and you can, if you do one cupboard this week and one cupboard next week and, you know, whatever, great, that's awesome. It's better than, than not starting. And it's also better than starting, mm. getting so overwhelmed with everything out and then feeling like a failure giving up Mm. yeah 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 definitely I I like the small chunks thing and if you've got a tiny kitchen and you've got all day it you know it would be okay but you need to be um, realistic with your limitations and and understand it's perfectly okay to do it in small sections and that you don't need to do it all at once to to actually have any success I remember some of the people on the Mari Kondo show (laughs) and she'd come in and help them take everything out of their kitchen and then she'd be like right bye and walk out bye (laughs) and then they'd be like are you kidding me I have to deal with this now but that's the beauty of a tv show yes they do so for me when I have done mine I try and make it as fun as possible so I will put music on or put my headphones in and listen to a podcast and try to enjoy the process you don't want it to be such a slog that you do one cupboard mm. and it's terrible and you never go back to it. So if you can, make mm. it fun. Or get a friend yep. over and have a cup of coffee at the same time as you do it and they might be able to help yeah. you make some decisions. That whole getting a friend over thing can work really well too because you can just have, you know, little decluttering parties and, you know, you both go to one house and do the kitchen and then you next week you go and do the other kitchen and so having that person there to motivate you and inspire you uh, and also physically help and bounce ideas off is awesome and then you get to go and do the same thing for your friend and it's always easier to help somebody else declutter than it is to declutter yourself so you'll actually enjoy doing it that way too it's, it's quite fun and I think you get rid of more stuff as well because mm you can justify things to yourself pretty easily. But when you have to say it out loud to someone else, no, but that um, pink plate with the gold (laughs) lining, i that was my birthday present when I was eight and Mm. uh, um, I used it. uh, And, yeah, when you wear. 2002. (laughs) So when you have to articulate that to someone else, sometimes it's enough to make you go, okay, yeah, I'm just 
reaching here. So yeah. uh, it's time to go. Especially if you have a friend who gives you that face that says, come on. Yeah. You're just kidding yourself, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. You, you definitely need an honest friend. You need the, you don't need a yes friend. We don't want a yes friend yeah. for this task. Yeah. Yeah. But you also don't want the friend that's going to make it all about them mm. and having the kitchen how they want it as well. So you kind of want a nice balance. Yeah. Choose wisely. I would advocate as well for doing your pantry separately to your kitchen. I reckon the pantry is a whole nother day and we will do, we'll do a show on, mm. on pantries, but I think sure. Um, doing just kitchen items, appliances, utensils, crockery, that kind of stuff, that's that's enough for your brain. You don't need to be getting out old cans of baked beans in amongst all of that. Mm. So, Yeah, and it also, it's amazing how much stuff you fit in your pantry. And so when you pull it out, um, even just pulling out one shelf can cover half your bench. And so, you know, trying to then deal with all of that and the rest of the kitchen, it's just too much. Pantries, you know, can take a lot longer than you expect if they're quite full. Yes, you're right. So uh, I have a quote here from Joshua Becker about decluttering your kitchen. And I must admit, I fell into this trap as well. I fancied myself as a bit of a domestic goddess and <laughs> a bit of a chef and needing every appliance. Um, and so that straight away is a good excuse to not declutter your kitchen. You're like, oh, but I, I'm, you know, For sure. an aspiring MasterChef cont- contestant. I, I need every <laughs> possible gadget in here. So Joshua Becker says, if you fancy yourself a chef, have spurts where cooking provides you with comfort or just love good food, You may be nervous that minimising your kitchen is going to ruin your workshop for culinary creation. Take heart. Minimising in the kitchen doesn't take away from you just the opposite. It is life-giving and home-enhancing. Removing the possessions you don't need will uncover what's been obscured about the joy of cooking by removing the excess clutter and distractions from your kitchen workspace. Mm, That's awesome. It reminded me of a client actually. I had this client who had um, a, a a large kitchen and a cram full of every possible little thing you could need. I reckon she would have had at least 40 ramekins of different designs <laughs> and sizes and, and shapes. And she had five utensil pots, you know, the really big ceramic utensil pots, all full yep. plus utensils in her drawers. And she was just overwhelmed. And um, so she said, like, I need help. And as we were working through it, she said, the thing is I love to entertain. I love to cook new things and therefore I feel like I need to have everything ready for me in case I want to try something new that needs an obscure sort of utensil or dish or something like that. And then she said, but at the same time, I get so much pleasure when I go to my holiday house and I have one wooden spoon and two knives and one spatula. She said, I actually feel so free that I feel like I can do whatever I want and I get to use my imagination more because I don't have everything at hand. And I said to her, right, when we're doing your kitchen, I want you to keep that feeling in mind, that feeling that you have when you are at the holiday house and you are ready to cook something. And she said, right. And she just got rid of so much stuff. It was incredible. It was cut several carloads of stuff to charity. And, you know, that whole time she was thinking, I need that clarity so that I get to use my imagination more. And so that quote just reminded me instantly of her. Yeah, I did a post, well, I don't know, a few months ago, Um, when we were away with the family for a week at an Airbnb and there was 
bare essentials. Like there was five mm-hmm. plates and five mugs and five knives and five forks because the house slept five people. And, you know, there was one spatula, <laughs> one serving spoon, like one knife. And I remember getting there thinking, oh, man, okay, we're going to be having pasta all week because there's nothing else to cook with. And you know what? We ate like kings that week. And I, mm. and it was because we are in a beautiful location. There was heaps of fresh seafood and lots of things that I was just like, okay, I can't just have pasta for dinner. I need, I'm inspired. I need to make something. And I managed perfectly well all week. The wash-up was super quick because I didn't have a million things out. If I needed a serving spoon for two different things, I could always rinse it in between or, you know, Mm. just double dip it. It's all good. And I was like, how amazing. I have 7,000 utensils at home and I have cooked for a whole week with five. And, Mm. yeah, there's something about that. And, you know, opening the drawer and there's all this white space in there. And I was like, isn't that funny when we're put in that scenario we manage and we cope and we, we do. enjoy it. So something to hold on to. Yeah, for sure. So where do we start, Tara? Okay, I would start with your surfaces, bench tops and table. And you know what? If that's all you get through today or tomorrow or whenever you start this, that's a great place to start. The reason I yeah. say that is because from that point, every drawer, cupboard that you empty you need to put somewhere to figure out what you're keeping and what you're putting back and what you're letting go. So if you have a bench that has still got a pile of folding and some notices from school and last week's Play-Doh that the kids made and some mail and all of those things on your bench and you try putting your cutlery drawer out there to sort it out, it's just going to be a nightmare. So I would start with the surfaces and get them clear first. Yep, I agree. We need that space to to sort a little bit yeah and you need to articulate what you want to use that space for so for some people their bench space is simply for preparing food and serving food from and that's it some people eat at their bench spaces as well you know if they have stools and that kind of thing Mm. some people will sit at their benches or at their tables and work from home sometimes kids will sit there to do homework so work out what it is you need that space to do for you and how much room you need. So my kitchen bench has a fruit bowl on it because my kitchen bench gets used for, you know, all sorts of stuff. Like I might, if I'm making bread or whatever, I will spread flour and stuff everywhere. I don't want, you know, to move five things before I dive into that. One fruit bowl with the fruit, easy for the kids to grab, but it's really easy to get out the way when I want to use the bench for something else. Mm. Um, And if you want your kids to sit there and and eat or sit at the table and do homework, you don't want a whole lot of clutter around them while they're doing that. And you don't want them pushing stuff off the edge uh, or knocking things over. So work out what you need the space for and then clear it off and only keep what is absolutely necessary. Yeah, for sure. I'm the same as you and the fruit bowl is meant to be the only permanent thing on my bench, but there's always something else hanging around. It's just normal, for, yeah. except for that three seconds that we talked about. <laughs> yeah, that blissful moment. Yeah. So some of the really common things, like we said, mail and paperwork usually tend to clutter on benches or stacked yeah, up at sure. the end of a kitchen area somewhere between a appliance and the wall or something like that. Yep. Try and figure out 
a zone for incoming paperwork or incoming mail and things you have to deal with, whether it's on a clip on the fridge, whether you've got a desk somewhere or a drawer that you devote to that, um, instead of just moving it off your bench and putting it somewhere else to deal with later, um, make that your first step. Figure out where the new home for the mail and the paperwork is. Make sure that you get rid of all of the paperwork you don't need to keep as you're doing this because with the paperwork, we'll do, I want to do an episode on paperwork but because I'm quite fanatical about it, but with your paperwork, a lot of the stuff that's on your bench at the moment, you actually don't need it. You've just put it aside just in case or you've put it aside because you haven't got around to getting rid of it or it's expired at the bottom of the pile or something like that. So make sure that as you designate an area for the paperwork that you need to to deal with, separate it out into stuff you need to do and stuff you just need to keep. And so that way you know exactly how much it is that you have to do. And that's where the, like the clip on the fridge can work well for all of the paper you have to actually have to deal with um, if there's not too much of it. Um, but you can also stay on the kitchen bench. Like, you know, when Tara says allocate a home for it, she doesn't necessarily mean it has to actually never live on the bench. It can live on the bench if you like. But what you want to do is, is if you are keeping anything on a bench, you want to make it quick and easy to move if you do need that space. So something like um, a box or a magazine file would be much better to store your paperwork in somewhere in your kitchen so that you can quickly pick it up and move it if you do want to spread flour everywhere. Yeah, and also I'm with paperwork on benches. I'm not a fan of piles because I feel like it's so easy to just deal with the couple of things on the top that you see and not the stuff. So if you can stand things either, you know, standing up in a a magazine tidy or even the – you know, you can get plate racks and things like that just with the little dividers and put things yeah. in because you're more likely to flick through and throw things out if you can see what's if there. If it's vertical. Yeah. yeah. Horror, I'm, I'm the same as you and um, my main mantra is if you're not reading it or writing on it, it should be vertical, especially mm-hmm. with people who aren't naturally organised. Naturally organised people can work well in piles. Um, mm-hmm. My husband does it just fine. But I can't deal with a pile because to me what exists in a pile is merely the top one mm-hmm. <laughs> and everything else gets forgotten. And like you said, it's it almost when you've got a pile there, it almost gives you permission to not think about what you add to it, to just automatically add to it, whereas when you've got a vertical system happening, it's a little bit more intentional, I think. Yep, absolutely. Um, the other thing I would say is when we're talking about benches, Um, other than my sticking out bench, you know, you go around the other side towards the wall and there's appliances. And I would, I aspire for the day that I have a bench with absolutely nothing on, but I don't think it's very realistic. I have, I have that because I've, I built myself an appliance cupboard so I can close the door on my appliances. But that's the luxury of having a new kitchen designed by yourself. (laughs) Mm, Absolutely. I wasn't lucky enough before that, but yeah. Yeah, well, that's where we are at some point when I convince my husband that we need a new kitchen. <laughs> um, I th- I'll have to do that, build something in as well. But so I, I always say to people, and a lot of people live in kitchens that they didn't design, so you have to work with the space. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I think you have to think about how much you use the things that are on your bench because it is prime real estate. This is the hub of your home yep. and those things are out. So if you drink coffee once a month but you have a coffee machine taking up, you know, a square foot of space on your bench, you've got to think about, okay, does it really need to be there? And then you're, you know, lugging the toaster in and out of the cupboard every morning. 
maybe mm. you could swap those things around. Um, so think about what gets used the most. The only caveat I think to that is things that are really heavy, like my KitchenAid, my stand mixer. I don't use that every week, but it's really heavy. So if I was going to store it down low in a cupboard somewhere, it would, mm. you know, I'm getting old now. I might <laughs> pull a muscle trying to lift it out of my cupboard. So I would say, you know, that's kind of, that should get out of jail free card. If it's something really hard to move around, yeah, sure, yeah. on a bench might be fine. But if you're not using your waffle maker very often, maybe that could go in a cupboard and be brought out when you use it rather than sitting out front and centre all day every yeah. day. Yeah. And you don't have to have empty benches either. If you're the kind of person who loves a little bit of visual interest, you you can put, you know, even you can put attractive things on your, your countertops, like, you know, nice canisters or something decorative. There's there's no reason why you have to have nothing on your, your benches, but you do have to consider your lifestyle and your cooking habits um, because there will be a certain amount of bench space that you do need in order to safely and cleanly prepare a meal. Uh, and beyond that, you'll be able to, you know, add your bits and pieces. But uh, there are there is some room sometimes for some decorative things. So once we've got clear benches back, where would you go from there? Probably starting small, like the cutlery drawer is a good one because we use it every single day. And I, I've seen some incredibly full cutlery drawers. And if we think about it, it, it all depends on how often we wash our dishes, whether we have a dishwasher or not, and things like that as to how much cutlery is a helpful amount for us. Everyone's different. And like you said, when you've only got four forks and four knives, you have to wash constantly. And some for some people, that's perfectly fine. And for others, they use a dishwasher. And so if they were to just put four forks and four knives and four plates in the dishwasher and then run that, that would be a bit of a waste of water. So how many things you keep in your drawers often depends on the the, the cycle of washing that you do and your habits with, with washing. But in all honesty, you don't probably need as many as what you have and most cutlery drawers are over full with all sorts of things that aren't actually used. You know, if it's never, if it's never empty, if it's never empty when you're ready to do the dishes or the dishwasher's ready to go on, then you've probably got too many. And what's your take on having separate cutlery sets, like a good cutlery set and an everyday mm-hmm. cutlery set? I used to have a good cutlery set and an everyday cutlery set and then I realised that was stupid because I don't do any fancy dinner parties, so what's the point of having a good cutlery set? <laughs> so I I just ha- – and, and it's something that, I, I probably could declutter because I have two sets in our everyday and sometimes we do actually run out of knives and we always run out of teaspoons and I blame children for that, not myself, of course. But I think that having a – it depends on you. It depends on whether you like to have a fancy set and you actually use it. If you have a fancy set that you never use, then there's no point keeping it and you may as well use your everyday cutlery. So I'm – I'm sort of a fan of whatever works for you as long as you've got the space for it and as long as it's helpful and it's not sort of getting in your way, then it doesn't really matter. What, what's your, what do you think? Yeah, I, I have two sets as well and my 
fancy set. I was, I had the same thing. My quandary was, I really liked my fancy set, but we didn't use it that often. And I was like, well, okay, I would rather use this every day so that mm. I can enjoy it every day. Um, cause what's the point of having something lovely that never comes out? So my yeah. fancy set became my everyday set. And then my everyday set I've got in a little, I am trying to think what you call them, like a little trug. Is that a word? Did I just make that up? No, it's like a little, (laughs) it's a, um, it's like a little, it's, it's a beautiful thing that I bought in the UK at an antiques fair. And it's a little wooden box that the house staff used to use in like a, I imagine it was used in Downton Abbey. That's, that's the story (laughs) I tell myself about that. I'm sure it wasn't, but, um, and it has, so it's a beautiful wooden box and it has a little handle on it. And I keep my old everyday cutlery knives forks spoons in that and it sits in a drawer with um tablecloths and things like that and then when we we have a big outdoor entertaining area and when we have people over for barbecues and all of that I grab that little box take it out and put it on the outdoor table and then people grab their own knives and forks out of that and then they get washed put back in and that so that's like my portable set um, mm. And sometimes I can, I'll can i throw it in the bottom of a picnic basket, although it does make it very heavy, um, if we're going and we're having picnic and there's a whole lot of people because I don't like plastic knives and forks. So yep. it's kind of like my cutlery on the go set. Yeah, but it's all your picnic, picnic cutlery almost. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, I have two sets, but I use them. I can't um, – if I stopped using them and that, that box sat there – you know, and never came out, then I probably would let it go. But yeah. So after cutlery drawers, I would, if you um, have that second drawer hell, the kitchen tools and gadgets, like we said, get your Airbnb mentality on. Think you don't want to go, you don't need to reduce it to five items, but ask yourself how many knives do you need ask yourself how many sets of tongs how many wooden spoons does one person need I found myself acquiring a lot of ladles at one point oh different because they're hard to store yes and that yeah they're annoying when when the (laughs) the, when the ends get caught when you're opening yep but I had I must have had four ladles at one point all different sizes (laughs) and they were beautiful but I was like, you know what, actually, I could keep one little one and one big one because the little one, if if I need to fill my bowl with more soup, <laughs> I could just do two ladles. I don't need one giant yeah. ladle so that it's, yeah. you know, like there's workarounds. So Yeah. Well, I ditched my ladle altogether, so I don't even have one. Oh, whoa. I know. How do you so serve if I need soup, Beck? With a... Oh, <laughs> I think I just. What do I do? How do I? No, do we don't eat soup. My kids, my kids won't eat soup, so I'm the only one who eats soup. So I think I use a spoon, like my, like a, you know, those serving spoons. Yeah, I right. use one of those. Yeah, so it takes a bit longer. But if I do need a ladle, I'll just use a little jug. Like I've got a little porridge yeah. jug that works well as a ladle too. So then I would go down through your drawers if you have, you know, a set of drawers that have things in tea towels if you quite often people will keep tea towels or kitchen linen placemats things like that um go through those kind of things get rid of things that are old and tatty and you don't use maybe repurpose them as rags um Mm. placemats again are a thing how many plates 
and or places do you have at your table? If your table only seats eight, why do you have 16 matching placemats? You know, that kind yeah. of thing. Try and get a bit logical about it. And when you're putting things back in, consider dividing your drawers up a bit to make it easier to rehome things and easier to find things when you're pulling them out rather than one big cavernous drawer. Yeah. If you can separate them. And there's some really nifty dividers and things out there. Yeah. Or you can just get cheap ones, you know, it, whatever whatever you can find, it doesn't really matter as long as you can yeah, separate things out a little bit so that you don't end up with a big jumble. One of my rules is that there's only one layer. So there shouldn't be anything under anything. Ooh. And utensil drawers, if they're really deep, that can mean you're quite minimalist. But in my utensil drawer, I have one layer and what doesn't fit if it that has to go basically. So uh, the way that I keep mine decluttered is when things start to get on top of each other, I have to move something to pick something else up, then I know that I've got too much stuff and I do a bit of a, a cull. And so that if you can imagine opening a drawer and not having layers of stuff, how much easier cannot, it is to quickly grab I it. I cannot is imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> I no, you have, don't have that. No, I do not have that. I have, I ha- in fact, one of my um, drawers I've used, uh, I think it was when we must have bought the iPad, the iPad box because I really liked that they were kind of oh, yeah, shallow. Nice and solid. And then, yeah, yeah. And so I put a couple of them in because I my utensil drawer is my little utensils, like can openers and things oh, yeah. like that. And then I have a like a container on my bench top which has my wooden spoons, ladles, oh, yeah. that kind of thing. So my big bulky ones are in there and then all the little ones are in, in there, you know, um, cork openers, corkscrews, whatever they're called, yeah. you know. All that kind of little stuff. But that's all cork kind openers. of cork openers. You can't open a cork. Um, yeah, so all those little things, but that is definitely not in one layer. I would need to put a few more drawers in my kitchen if I was <laughs> Yeah, I don't have too many uh, utensils. I tend to be fairly minimalist. And I've got, I do have too many um i love my wooden spatulas like mm-hmm. you know the wooden flat things with the flat i don't know what they're called yep. um, but they're like wooden mm-hmm. spoons but they look like spatulas and um i love them and i've got a few of those and then a couple of wooden spoons and then a couple of silicon spatulas and i've got a little divider and i actually stand them up sideways so they're all like it's very Marie Kondo of me um mm. so they're all sort of standing up sideways all in together so that I can actually just see them all they kind of look like books if that makes sense yeah nice. standing up next to each other so that works quite well but I don't like utensils on my bench top uh, I don't use them enough they get dusty I'm not the cook that you are and I just it just gets messy and the utensil pot which is usually next to the stove gets all greasy and spotty and I hate cleaning so I've just gone when I did my new kitchen I just went we're not having any utensil pots anymore so I I threw it away and it's drawers only, which means I had to cull a lot. Mm. Well, I would say once you're done with drawers and I look, I know lots of modern kitchens don't have cupboards or as many cupboards as they used to. Some people have lots of big drawers now. So Mm. when I say the term cupboards, I guess refers to whatever it is that you store these things first, but I would Start easy. Be kind to yourself. Don't go straight to that really annoying corner cupboard 
with all the random <laughs> stuff in because that's going to be hard. I would go mugs or glasses mm. or plates. Pick something easy and and something that you can be really logical about and not have yeah. to try and remember last time you used it. And also like mugs and glassware, we all have more than enough. And again, another good rule is if you run out of glasses just before you have to run the dishwasher or mugs, then you've probably got around about the right amount. If you never, ever, ever run out of mugs or glasses, then you could probably cull some quite safely without any inconvenience whatsoever. I think that's a pretty good idea. I have, we have quite a few glasses, but my kids don't know how to drink out of the same glass twice, so they can have a glass of water. And they're very good. They'll put their, their glass in the dishwasher after breakfast and then two hours later go and get another glass to <laughs> pour more water. And I'm like, um, hello. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll work on that. But um, they, they do do that. But, yeah, it's if you've got, yeah, so obviously with your stage of life and with your kids' habits, then you might need more than somebody who lives alone and hand washes their dishes after every meal, you know. So they Absolutely. might only need three glasses or four or just enough for, you know, a few guests maybe uh, and mm. that would be enough, yeah. And mugs, I think, that's a, we all have too many mugs and we all have the mugs yep. that we got as the random Kris Kringle gift from work <laughs> or, you know, someone gave us a mug for our birthday and it's got a picture of a dog on it and you're like, mm-hmm, thanks, yeah, I so don't need that. Yeah, or you impulsively buy the Star Wars one that you see at the supermarket <laughs> when you're walking past. Oh, that wasn't me. <laughs> I did a um, talk on decluttering and downsizing for older people and it was quite funny and I talked about <laughs> I talked about mugs and I really emphasised <laughs> You know, that like how many people, how many cups of tea do you have in a day or coffee and how many people do you have over? over? What is the most amount of mugs you would use in a day? You do not need more than that. And was talking about that. And then my thank you gift from that group was a mug (laughs) with with a whole lot of chocolates in. And they're like, we're guessing you're going to take this straight to Vinnie's. And I was like, oh, sorry. (laughs) I We helped uh, a gentleman downsize to a retirement apartment and I was helping him unpack and more and more mugs kept coming out and I kept having to find more creative places to store them because there wasn't just one spot for mugs that would fit them all. And eventually I got to the point where I thought I'm going to count his mugs because they just keep on coming. And I said to him at the end, I said, so we just rehomed 67 mugs (laughs) for one person. And he looked at me and he went, I had no idea I had that many. And I said, no, most people don't. And so it was a bit of a joke. And a bit like, but he actually said to me, I'm not letting it go of any. And thankfully he didn't keep lots of other things. So there were places I could stash. So I, we had three stashes of mugs. We had the use everyday mugs, then the backup mugs, and then the backup of the backup mugs. <laughs> and so we had three places to store them. But, yeah, 67 mugs for one person in, in a small apartment. Uh, so we had a good laugh about that. Oh wow. Yeah, see I've got I've got some mugs that I was attached to sentimentally but that I didn't use very much anymore. So now So many people are. Yeah. Yeah, so I've got so one of them is got the underground system from London on it like all the stations and stuff. It's very colorful. That is my pen pot on my desk and my kids had mugs that they were attached to from the UK with Paddington on. They're their pen mm-hmm. pots on their desks in their room. So um, I know my brother 
we had a mug made for him and the handle broke off but it had his name on it and he was like oh I feel bad throwing it out so that he went and put that out in his shed and that's got all the little bits and pieces in that you know that he doesn't know where to put they all live in that mug in his shed he uses it as a container so if you've got sentimental mugs maybe you could think about how else you could use them whether they could store something a little bit Mm. Yeah, and this is the thing. For some reason, mugs can be very sentimental and it's just one of those things. Glasses are less so, but mugs, mm-hmm. people just hang on to mugs with a death grip, you know. They're like, no, I can't. <laughs> and, um, and it's really common and, and it's, you know, a lot of people do it, but it can be really unhelpful because it's one of those things that just does take up a lot of space and mugs aren't easy to stack. So when you put them in a cupboard, they take up a whole lot of space and then leave all this empty air above them and so the actual usage of the space is not very efficient either. Mm-hmm. We got an extra shelf made in one of our cupboards. You know how they you can get the cupboards that have the little holes on oh, the yeah. side so you can move your shelves up and down. Yeah. Um, and one of our cupboards only had it was huge tall cupboard and only ha- and it was the logical spot to put mugs. It only had one shelf in the middle, so there was a lot of air in that yeah. cupboard so we um had another shelf made so that we could do you know find some extra things in there so maybe you can think about yeah that and too. if you can't do that you can buy those little um standalone shelves mm-hmm. so they're just like a shelf on legs basically and you can just put those in and then you can put mugs underneath and then you can put mugs on top again and that kind of doubles the the, the area that you can use in that space so that works quite well um one thing that i want to say about mugs and glasses is I would love it if no one ever bought new glassware or mugs ever again. And there, because I see so many glasses and mugs go into charity skip bins and I obviously see lots in people's houses and the charities will sell some of them, but there is such a massive oversupply of secondhand glassware and secondhand mugs that we actually need to never really buy any again. Well, maybe mo- not all of us, but most of us. We actually don't need to go and buy new ones. If you're looking for glassware, if you need glasses at all, I really implore you to go and look for secondhand ones if, if possible because we have so many that are already out there. We don't need to be wasting resources making more. And so, you know, I'm a, that's a bit of a bandwagon thing. I've pledged never to buy brand new glasses again because I just can't no. justify you know, it's just not necessary. You know, there's nothing wrong with a secondhand glass. There can be they can be really good quality. They can be easily cleaned. You know, it's not like something they're buying secondhand that you worry about where it's been. It's very easy to to get it to be perfectly sanitary and spotlessly clean. So there's no reason why we can't do that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Very good. So one of the complaints or the issues or the roadblocks that we come against quite often when we're helping people declutter their kitchen, uh, looking at glassware, looking at number of wine glasses or plates is but I like to entertain I need a lot of things Mm. and I completely appreciate that but there is a limit I mean do you are you gonna have 18 people drinking champagne at the same time in your house Mm. I'm and I used to struggle with glassware especially I was like but I might need 12 martini glasses I don't even I didn't I don't even drink martinis, but I might need them. What if I have, you know, a busload of people rock around for a martini? (laughs) So 
but then it was like, you know what, I'll keep four. And if people come around and I decide that I'm serving martinis and I need more, you know what, I have friends, I have family. I can put the call out and say, come around for a martini, bring your own glass or, hey, neighbour, can I borrow some glassware from your house? I've got people coming over. And we would be quite happy to share our things with our friends for a party or a function at their house or, a, you know, dinner party. And I'm sure they would be quite happy to share with us. So rather than storing these things just in case, and if you're struggling with this, I would tell you go all the way back to our episode number four, which was called What Does I Might Need It One Day Really Mean? And ask yourself whether you're keeping some of these things just in case or if you're keeping them just for when or if you're keeping them out of fear and the fear of a minor inconvenience another option as well just like i mentioned before with op shops is you know if you do have a one-off glassware need op shops will have it i at christmas time needed some for uh, like a prawn cocktail and so I didn't have any because I have very minimal glasses in my house. My friends actually bring their own champagne glasses. This is how few glasses I have. And <laughs> I'll um, remember that next time yeah. I come to your house. So I went to uh, went down to the op shop and I found some glasses because there's always loads of glasses at op shops. So I knew I'd find something. And the first one I walked into there there they were um, six cocktail little cocktail um, glasses. And so I bought them. They cost me eight dollars or if that, and then I returned them when I finished with them. And so it was almost like I paid rental on like hiring them. Um, It's a Mm -hmm. cheap hire. And then they get to resell them over and over again every year to me (laughs) (laughs) when I go back to get them for my prawn cocktails. So that's another option as well is to, you know, rent them from an op shop by taking them and then and taking them back again. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. So a few things to keep a lookout for when you're going through kitchen cupboards. Are you keeping duplicates of things and ask yourself how many do you really need? Um, If you don't have that immediate, hell yes, I need this or hell yes, I use this, try and justify out loud to your friend or if you're on your own to yourself why you think you need that many of that item. And one thing I quite often will say to people is, if you were in the shops today, would you spend your money on it today? Again, would you buy that mm. item again today? And if the answer is no, well, then you might need to check yourself and let it go. Yep, yep. And now I've forgotten what I was going to say. Oh, sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, we both get our ideas at the same time and then they they come out at the same time. Okay, I remember now. So also think about whether or not, that item that you are maybe thinking about keeping because it wasn't a hell yes, but you're still reluctant to part with it, is is it a single-use item? Single-use items are the kinds of things that really waste space in our kitchen. So things like avocado slices or one of my workshop attendees put up her hand and she said after I finished talking about decluttering and she said very excitedly, I have a bean slicer. I'm going to go and throw out my bean slicer. 
and we still joke about that. I don't even know that. what a bean slicer is. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I actually didn't ever see one and she's never told me exactly what it was, but it was a bean slicer and she said, I'm going to get rid of my bean slicer because I can just use a knife. And I was like, yes, good on you. And we still joke about the bean slicer. Uh, she still mentions that occasionally when we chat. And it's just one of those things, you know, the avocado slicer. If you've got a knife and a spoon, then you've got an avocado slicer. If you've got a knife, you've got a bean slicer. You know, there's mm-hmm. just... If you've got a spoon, you've got an ice cream scoop. There are so many things that we have that are just for single use that we could probably really easily improvise without them and save that space by having only multi-use items that that cover a few different purposes. Yeah, and I think that can start extending to appliances as well. You know, lots of people keep yeah, for sure. You know, blenders and mixers that are separate and then they have their bullet juices and then mm. and it's like, well, could one do the same as the other? I got rid of, I used to have a stand blender and then one of those handheld mix, you know, blender, oh, yeah. you know, on like a long stick. Yeah, the one stick, of those. Yeah, the stick blenders, yeah. Stick blenders, that's it. And I was like, I don't, I always would get the stick blender out because <laughs> then I could put take the end off of that and put it in the dishwasher where the blender, the big jug mm. thing, I was like, oh, I had to hand wash that. That was too hard. So I got rid of my blender because, and I have not missed it. That was, you know, years ago. And same with all your different mixes or people that have, you know, rice cookers but then buy a Thermomix and then don't get rid of their rice cooker. And then, mm. you know, there's different things that people will double up on or they have multiple appliances that can do more than or that can both do the same thing. So work mm-hmm. out which one you could use more or you're yeah. happy you always go to and then get rid of the other one. Yeah, and if, if, if you've got a slow cooker and a pressure cooker, for example, and one of them dies, replace it with a multi-use one so that when the second one dies, you'll end up with just one appliance that does both slow cooking and pressure cooking. Mm-hmm. If you are struggling for space, they're the tough decisions you need to make. If you've got plenty of space to store it all, well, then good luck to you keeping it all, but... A lot of people don't. And it ends up being something gets pushed to the back of the cupboard and something gets pulled to the front and whatever is closest and easiest to grab is the one that gets used more often. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the hard part is we buy all these things for our convenience and then they end up just weighing us down because there's too much stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think individually they're convenient but collectively, you know, we have to look at it as, as in relation to all the other things as well. You know, like you said, you know, individually they they gave you value but together they weighed you down and so that's something to to remember as well is you know collectively how, how much how am, how much am i weighed down by this and how can i lighten my load um, so that i'm not yeah feeling that weight so some of the trouble areas that we come across i'm sure you are exactly the same in <clears throat> working with your clients back is tupperware oh, <laughs> and plastic food storage containers generally yeah my big tip for that is to make sure every bottom has a top (laughs) that is the that is the easiest way to cull if you want to do what I do I pay my children (laughs) I pay my children to match my Tupperware I'm like here you go (laughs) rainy afternoon sit down I'll pay two dollars each every pot every bottom needs a lid every water bottle needs a top and then put everything that doesn't have a matching part in a pile and that's yeah. how we sort our Tupperware. I don't know where where the Tupperware fairies take where they go. the odd bits. Yeah, I know, but right? 
It's mm. it's incredible. Even those of us who do this for a living, we still lose the tops. And there's always more lids than containers for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's anyone else. It's the containers that go missing for me, not the lids. And it's just, yeah, it drives me nuts. And and what my big tip, my top tip for plasticware is to make sure that you separate it out according to its function. So we have Tupperware that is permanent storage, so things like, like canisters that put, have our cereal in them or our flour or something like that. Then we have them for temporary storage, so for leftovers or lunches, and then we have them for preparation. And so they are mixing bowls and things like that. So make sure you don't mix all of those up. They should all be stored separately. And the storage ones, the ones that you're using for permanent storage, they should always be in their permanent spot. So even if they are empty, your, uh, let's say your deli meats plastic container should always live in the fridge, whether it's got deli meats in it or whether it's empty. And if you store it in the fridge all the time, then you're only taking up one space. And then it's also cold when you put the deli meats in and you don't get that sweat happening by putting um, cold stuff into a room temperature container. And things like, obviously, there's permanent stuff in the fridge, like the the Tupperware fridge smarts. I love those things because they keep my food fresh for a little bit longer. So they're permanent. So they live in my fridge when they're empty as well. When your flour canister is empty, don't try and put it in the storage place. Put it in the pantry where it lives when it's full. Does that make sense? Yes. That's exactly what I do. Same with freezer. My freezer containers are in the freezer, whether there's something in them or not. When there's nothing in them, there's no label on them. And then I put a little label on when I you know, chop up some yeah. kale yeah. and put it in a pot in the freezer. I put kale on the front so I know there's something in that one. Something um, in there, yeah. Mm. And so then what we're doing is we're not clogging up the, the temporary high-rotation plasticware, which is your leftovers and your lunches Tupperware. Uh, that isn't clogged up with all of the other bits and pieces and you actually have a little bit more space to store them and they get a little bit less messy. They still get messy. Look, you know, like Tara and I both do this for a living and I still open my drawer and go, oh, gosh, or I half open it and it gets jammed because someone's put something in there and it's stopping me from opening the drawer. So that all still happens. But the less you have in that space, the easier it is to manage. And so if you can farm off the um, food prep plasticware into another area and the permanent storage plasticware into their permanent areas, then you've just got that little bit more breathing room. Plus then you know if you have too much. If you have so many containers, freezer storage containers in your freezer, that then you buy something, a loaf of bread to put in your freezer and there's no space, then you've got too many freezer storage containers. You know, if you yeah, don't, which you wouldn't you know, know if you didn't have them in there. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, where possible, I'm a big fan of Tupperware in drawers, not in cupboards, because it's a it can be a long way back in a Tupperware cupboard, and you could you know you mm. could lose a limb in there trying to find a lid at the back of a cupboard. <laughs> where when you have a drawer and you pull it out, you can see down into the drawer and see all the way yeah. to the back, and I think that can be really handy. And if you don't have a drawer, create one by using another large plastic container without a lid. And so you then pull that plastic container out from the back or from the cupboard or from down low. You can sort of slide it out and it looks like a drawer and that's where you would keep your plasticware then in that one large plasticware tub. Uh, so you create a drawer by by using a, a tub or a, a bucket of some kind. Mm-hmm. Bucket's the right and wrong word, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So another area 
junk drawers, which quite often occur in kitchens, that that can be really that's like a whole we need to do a whole episode have a on whole, junk drawers. Yeah, <laughs> I was just about to say the same thing. Um, but try and set some boundaries. If you have a junk drawer, I'm not saying get rid of it, but when your junk drawer is full or you cannot find anything in your junk drawer, don't create a new junk drawer. Junk drawer number yes. two, just go, yeah. right, it's time. It's time to go through and take some stuff out. Um, exactly. So junk drawers are great. They're really yeah. handy, you know, but one junk drawer is really handy. Two junk drawers is out of control and any more than that is really unhelpful. Yeah. An area this used to be an issue for me, uh, baking pans and tins and cookie cutters and cake decorating mm. items. That whole, It's like having a craft room in your kitchen <laughs> because yes. it's, it's the, all this creative stuff that you are kind of attached to because it's a great creative outlet but you don't use it daily. It's not like a knife and a mm. fork. It is like it's a birthday and I want the right shaped tin. Yeah, and it's once a year, yeah. Yeah, I... One thing, because I cannot stand um, shaped cake tins because they don't nest in each other, you know, unlike round ones. They're impossible to store. One thing I have tried to do before for a client that wanted to keep them all, we went to, I took her to Officeworks and we bought um, magazine tidies and stationary dividers like upright vertical stationary dividers and things like that so that we could stack her pans vertically stand them up cupboard rather than on top of each other which helped a bit and And put them up high yeah because they're not heavy just put them in the cupboard you you might need your footstool you know step stool to get to but they're out of the way that's no big deal a few times a year yeah and that's pretty much what I've done as well all of that the cake decorating stuff I need my step stool to get to because it's used relatively infrequently and it's all up high. And a lot of us have cupboards that are quite up, quite high and we should, you know, we should be using those cupboards for to get things that we use infrequently out of our prime real estate areas and out of our high usage areas so that they're not getting in our way. And all that cake decorating stuff, the pans, um, I, I have a plastic container which has got all of the candles and the food dyes and the little... What are those things called? The little silver balls? Kush, kush I can't say. Yeah, yeah. Kushu, kush, yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying. Mm-hmm. Um, those things as well, all that sort of in, all in a tub and they all go up really high um, and then the the pans and all of that are up, way up out of reach because I don't bake a great deal. And so, yeah, then it doesn't really matter if I have to, you know, get up on the step stool and, and pull those out when I need them because, yeah, it's no big deal. I use my step stool frequently actually. Every day or two I reckon I pull it out at least once because, I when I redesigned my kitchen, I sacrificed accessible storage space for bench space because I wanted more bench space and I wanted less stuff. And so a lot of the things that I then did want to keep had to go up really high. So I've got, you know, quite a few things that are and I'm short. I'm not really tall. So I have to <laughs> climb up climb up the stepladder frequently or stand up on my bench. <laughs> yeah. One thing I did with baking tins not like muffin pans and things that I use regularly to bake for the kids I wanted them in different sizes and I've got them and that's fine Mm. things like for people that are bakers and you know know the old woman's weekly kids cake book um (laughs) I used to have a Dolly Varden tin which is like a great those that don't know it's like a deep pudding bowl type shape 
Yeah. And um, the Dol- Dolly Varden cakes were the ones that looked like those old-fashioned toilet hole roll covers. Yeah. <laughs> Where the skirt covered the toilet roll and yep. then there was a doll and we on the would, top. Yeah. <laughs> we went through lots of those with they wanted a cake that looked like Tinkerbell. So you'd stink yep. a, a Barbie doll-sized Tinkerbell in, the t- in through the cake and then decorate mm. the cake to look like her skirt. So skirt. Mm. I, my kids kind of went through that phase and then a friend of mine who has young girls said, oh, can I borrow that tin? And I said, you know what, you can keep it. I know where you live. If I ever need yeah. it, I'll come and find you. But I don't, actually it doesn't need to, I, and I haven't asked for it. And then while I was there, I was like, what other cake tins do you have? And she's like, oh, I've got this, I've got this one. And I'm like, great, okay, I will get rid of my version of those because if you're storing them, then I know where to cut. Mm. Like if I'm going to use it once a year, our kids' birthdays aren't yeah. the same time. So if there's a good friend of yours that lives close that bakes as well, check, make sure that between the two of you, you've got your bases covered and then all of the duplicates let go and then just say, look, I'll hold on to my few, you hold on to yours and we'll share when we need. Yeah, for sure. That's I, I, I love the idea of us sharing. We don't share enough, I don't think. We all try and have one of everything when, when we could actually, you know, really go to our community for our things instead. Definitely. One thing that was a big issue personally, other than baking stuff, was platters and salad bowls. And I think oh. this is an issue for a lot of people. Oh, yes. I don't, the amount of people that when we're downsizing, the amount of platters that, that people have, and they say when we've pulled them all out, they're like, I had no idea I had this many. And where am I going to store them in my tiny new apartment? Um, mm-hmm. Platters are just, yeah, they, it's like they breed overnight in those cupboards. Mm-hmm. So for me, when we moved to the UK, we were being moved with my husband's work, and they said, you can have X amount of space to take stuff over. And I was like, whoa, that's nothing. Mm. That's And we had young kids and so there were some toys and books and prams and bikes and scooters and, like, their stuff took up a lot of space. And I was like, mm. I'm really going to have to. The other thing was we knew that we would be coming back four years later and the stuff that would come home with us from the UK um, would take three months to arrive by ship. So they said you need to leave enough stuff at home so that you can survive for three months when you get here. So it meant things like my linen cupboard got split in half and then I was like, right, kitchen, and I pulled out platters and bowls and I was like, okay, salad bowls, I'm going to take two. And, like, at that point I probably owned about 12. Mm -hmm. And so I said I'll take a small one. So if I'm making, like, a toss salad or a green salad for the four of us for dinner, that is the size bowl we use. And then I'm going to take this big one. So if I'm taking a salad to a party or having people over, I would use that one. I took two salad bowls. I survived mm. four years with two salad bowls. And I came home yes. and I opened the boxes of all my other stuff. I'm like, sorry, Ten, you can go. I like, I've proved to myself yeah. and you need two size salad bowls. Yeah. So the rest and the platters were similar. I, but what I ended up doing, I took a few that were the same they were all circular. So rather than having a rectangular one sitting on top of a square, sitting on top of a circular one in the cupboard, oh, yeah. I took all circular ones so they could kind of nest in each other. Um, and they're the ones it's that I've kept. That's a good idea. I, I, I kind of want to get rid of all my ones that I, I kind of now almost want to go, okay, I'm only having oval or I'm only having square or I'm only having 
mm. round and getting rid of the rest. Oh, I'm already ticking that over in my head. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> yeah. So so you. now I've got if you want if you want your cheese platter on a square plate, you cannot come to my house because it's, <laughs> it's it's in a circle. I'm sorry, they're yeah. all round plates, and that's that's how yeah. that's how we roll in the Tuttle household now. <laughs> but um, it's great because my serving platter cupboard is now really neat. The piles are neat; mm. they fit together. Um, yeah, it's yeah, great. That's a great idea. Uh, the other thing on while we're talking about platters is. They can be a good item to store in those annoying, if you've got those annoying corner cupboards that it's yeah. really hard, just like up high, put the things that are lesser used in those cupboards because if you, you don't want to be putting like your um, breakfast bowls in those cupboards because they're annoying to get to. So things that platter, like platters that come out on occasion rather than every day, that's the stuff that you should put in those cupboards because... They're a bit hard to get down and dive into. Yep, for sure. And if you've got stuff hiding in the backs of those cupboards that you can't remember the last time you saw or you used, that yeah. might be a good a good place to start. Well, not to start your decluttering, but when you're decluttering, quite often yeah. you can find some. They're almost no-brainers, aren't they? Mm. And they've been hidden back there for so long. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I think is really important, once you've kind of got things out, worked out what you're keeping when you're reorganizing and putting things away don't just put them back where they were have a think about the way your kitchen works because quite often when you move into a house you're in a hurry to just unpack and get those boxes out of there and you don't always think think through where things go so Mm -hmm. try and put your items where they're most commonly used so put your mugs near your kettle put you know, pots and pans close to the oven because if they're if they're heavy items, you don't necessarily want to lug them across the kitchen. And likewise, mm. if they're heavy, put them down low somewhere rather than up high. Yeah, so, so you, you don't drop them on your head. Mm. Yeah, and like we said, put those lesser used items in your harder to reach cupboards. So if you want to reimagine your space while you're decluttering, think about how it could work better for you, and then make sure. <laughs> Everyone in your house that is <laughs> capable of unpacking a dishwasher or putting dishes away knows where those things are kept. Oh, so the bane of my existence. <laughs> so I have this the fork principle in my house. And if you find a fork anywhere in our house, in our yard, in the car, in the street, you would my kids would know where that fork needs to be living. And I'm like, mm. why? How come the fork is the only thing that gets that privilege? <laughs> Everything in my kitchen should have that privilege. And so I, my husband said to me the other day, where's the lid for this water bottle? And I was like, I keep my water bottles in one drawer, Tupperware drawer and the lids in, a, in the one underneath it because I don't like water bottles being washed up and then the lids put back on because yeah. I hate the chance that there could be mould in there. So, yeah, I'm yeah. the same. I've got exactly the same setup. So, but my husband went to get a water bottle out and he's like, where's the lid for this? I'm like, how, hang on, how do you not know where the water bottle lids are in this house? This is the home. This is where the forks live. You know where the forks <laughs> live. This is where the water bottle li- lids live. Um, and so I give your family a tour just, of your redesigned kitchen so that they know yes. where everything is. But they'll still forget. Like I, my kids um, unpack the, the dishwasher 90% of the time. Occasionally I will do it. But most of the time they unpack the dishwasher and still every single 
time I open up my utensil drawer, there is a serving spoon in there that lives in the buffet. And I I cannot, cannot tell you how many times I have waved it in front of their faces and said, this doesn't live here, it lives over there. And they go, okay. <laughs> and the next time they do exactly the same thing. And, um, yeah, it, I just, I, I said to them, like, how can how come you can remember where the chocolate is but you can't remember where this spoon goes that you put away you know twice a week how come i don't it doesn't compute yeah <laughs> that, just... so i did a post on easter sunday saying how is it that my children can find a chocolate egg that is stored or like hidden in the most obscure place in our house but then come to me in the morning and go i can't find my shoes and they're in the cupboard <laughs> right in front of them i'm like you can you can find a chocolate egg hidden in the umbrella yep. stand. You can't find shoes in your cupboard. There's something going on here. Oh, I know. It's just one of those things I'm like, I, I don't know when I don't know when it will ever happen, if it will ever happen, that I open oh, a drawer. You know what you should do? This is what isn't. I would do. If I was you, I would, if your kids like chocolate, buy a little chocolate bar or something and put it in the buffet where the spoon goes and put a note on it saying well done you can have this and then whoever like it's that whole reward thing it's like Pavlov's dog if they put it back there and get it they'll be like sweet and then they'll every time they have to put it away they'll go back there just in case mum's put another chocolate there Uh, that's That's my tip of the day for you (laughs) such a good idea but you know what me knowing this chocolate sitting there is a really bad thing (laughs) Is there a chocolate bar you don't like? Maybe go with that. Oh, yes, that's a great idea. Yes, there'll be something I don't like for sure. Good idea. Uh, yeah. So, yes, there we do have to train everybody in the house to remember where things live and where things go because everyone lives in the house and everybody needs to contribute to maintaining it. So everyone needs to know where everything goes. And you might need to give several reminders for some people, but um, hopefully everyone gets on board. And then once you have an amazing, well-decluttered kitchen, then you need to shift your focus to being really intentional with what you bring in. So because yep. this is where so many people fall down. You create more space in your kitchen and then you walk past one of those kitchen gadget stores that's having a 50% off sale and go, ooh, <laughs> look, there's an egg slicer for $3. I need that. So that's when you have to just like, well, hang on, I've created the space in the kitchen. Let's leave that space there. Do I need it? Will I use it? Is this just the bean slicer mark too? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And and is it is it going to create two layers in my utensil drawer? Is it going to mean that I can't open this easily? Does it mean that I have to reach past something to get to something? You know, what is this purchase going to mean to to the way that I use my kitchen and is it going to detract from all of the the positive um, aspects of my kitchen by adding to the volume? Mm-hmm. Is it going to do the job of something else that I have that already does that job now? Yes, exactly. Yes, like a pancake maker. Someone was going to buy my children a pancake maker as a gift and I said no because we cook pancakes in a pan on the stove. Yeah. So there's no, it it is complete excess. There's no way that, that, yeah, it's the avocado slicer. Yeah, and we're also a bit, we're a bit delicate. We're delicate little creatures and we're spoiled. And I have had a few clients who've had three different types of sandwich maker because they say, well, I can't do the spaghetti ones in 
in that one because it all runs out the side. But if I do the spaghetti ones in that one, I, it contains it all. And, and they've got different reasons for keeping all three or four or five sandwich makers. And sometimes I I just think we just, we're too spoiled, you know, and what's the deal if your spaghetti slips out the side of your toasted sandwich every now and then? Oh, there's going to be social media backlash against you for that, Beck. <laughs> That is a big deal to some people. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's probably a bad example. But, you know, we do, we get caught up in this is how I do things and this is the way it has to be when really we we should just sort of say, I'm just going to suck it up and I'm just going to get used to a new way of doing things. And we do. This is the thing. We get used to a new way of doing things. You know, I if, if I want to make a spaghetti toasted sandwich in the toasty, we've got one of those um, flat ones. Mm-hmm. And the sandwich press, the sandwich press. Yeah. So if I want to make one, yes, spaghetti falls out, and yes, I'm still alive. I cope just fine. <gasps> well, it will you're, you're not, you're you not coping know. very well with that. <laughs> I don't even have a sandwich press or a toasty maker. Oh. So how's that? Yeah, yeah we mm. do. Every Friday night, Mick has toasty toasties, as they are really hilariously called here in South Australia. <laughs> <laughs> or is it just a Mazzino thing? <laughs> yeah, maybe it's uh, maybe it's just you. Yeah, toasty toasties. I think that's that's just an Adelaide thing. <laughs> um, and on that note, we might wrap up. We hope we've given you some good tips that you can use to declutter your kitchen. We would love to hear how you're going. Please jump online. You can join our Facebook community or on our Facebook page or tag us in a post on Instagram. Show us what you've decluttered, what you've let go, or what you've rehomed. And show us how your kitchens are looking with a bit more space and a bit less clutter. This week's challenge, we're actually bucking the trend and sticking with the topic that we've the topic of the episode. So this week's challenge is to declutter your kitchen appliances. So just as we were talking about the toasting machines, do you have three sandwich makers? Do you have those special appliances that only use for one thing that you might be able to part with do you have duplicates do you have ones that you just haven't used forever do you have ones where you've been given or you've acquired a new one but you've hung on to the old one as a spare just in case so any of those circumstances can give you an opportunity to declutter your appliances so if you can get rid of even just one appliance that is taking up space you'll be a lot lighter at the end of it thanks for joining us If you've enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via Facebook and Instagram or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.